Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. The most valuable commodity I know of is information. Wouldn't you agree? I got five dollars. This is a run to the left. You're saying that humans need fantasy to make life bearable. Humans need fantasy to be human. My goodness, that was good. You guys are pros. The best. Relentless, refusing to give up. All right, hit that horn, babe. Let's dance. And welcome to the Fantasy Flex podcast presented by Prize Picks. I am your host, Chris Raybon. This is our week number six main slate podcast. And joining me as always, my dude, Sean Kerner. Sean, what's going on, man? How you feeling? Uh, feeling a lot better. Um, and, you know, just what a wild week five. Um, looking forward to week six. We finally have some bye weeks now. Um, it's It's nice having just... Uh, a couple less matchups, then we can, you know, really dive into the, the matchups we have this week. But uh, looking forward to, to week six. How's it going with you? How, how's the Dodger game, by the way? You went to the Dodger game last night? Yeah, Dodger game was was fun. It was my first Dodger game. Uh, low scoring game. Pitchers duel, one nothing. Giants won that one. Um, crazy win, though. That I think that was a unique aspect to the game. I mean, there was a couple of shots that uh, the Dodgers hit that looked like they were going out, including the last out of the game uh, that didn't. So. Um, it was fun. You know, I'm not, I'm not a Dodgers fan, so it didn't, you know, hurt me as much as I'm sure it hurt most of the people in that ballpark, <laughs> yeah. but uh, I enjoyed it. I, I, I warned you about the parking lot at Dodger stadium, an absolute nightmare um, getting in and especially getting out. So uh, we should have set a prop for how long it would take you to get out of there. Uh, <laughs> two hours would have been the line. Right. And yeah, uh, it was over both ways. <laughs> it wasn't over. Yeah. Both ways. Uh, yeah. Okay. Playoff game versus the Giants. That's probably uh, as packed as Dodger Stadium will get. So, yeah, over two hours uh, was not surprising. Yeah. So, oh, no, I lost about eight hours of projection time. So, if I don't know <laughs> what the hell I'm talking about today, <laughs> that's why. But uh, <laughs> let's get into, we'll start with the Thursday night uh, showdown slate. And we got the Philadelphia Eagles taking on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tom Brady popping up on the injury report with a thumb issue. Uh, don't expect him to sit out or anything like that. So uh, we're going to assume he plays. But, Sean, who do you like uh, kind of, a, you know, in your captain spot? Who, who are you looking at uh, on this Thursday night showdown slate? I mean, th- this is a good slate, to be honest. There, there's so many different ways you can go. Like, I'm not worried about Brady's thumb injury. And I keep saying, you know, would not surprise me if he if he breaks – 
uh, Peyton Manning's single season touchdown record. So I think Brady in the captain slot and then playing two or three of the Tampa Bay receivers makes sense. They'll probably be pretty chalky um, or just finding one of the Tampa Bay receivers like a Chris Godwin or Mike Evans or Antonio Brown in the captain slot. You can't go wrong with that, but I think I will end up going Jalen Hurts in the captain slot. Like I always say, he is the living, breathing version of a DFS cheat code. Um, so I like having him there and then finding one or two stacking partners uh, for him. And without potentially without Dallas Goddard this week, um, you know, it's going to be a little bit narrower target tree for the Eagles. So I think uh, it'll be pretty easy to stack the Eagles and then send it back with a bunch of Buccaneers on the way back. Yeah, I like Hurts a lot. Uh, Tampa Bay's been blitzing a lot because they, you know, the back end is kind of shaky, all these injuries. So they're kind of taking the route of, okay, let's just blitz. You know, they did play a little more zone against the Miami Dolphins last year and and held off. But overall, they've been the most blitz-heavy team, 40% blitz. So uh, Jalen Hurts normally kills the blitz. In his career, he's been really good. Um, started slow against the, the Panthers last week, but – Overall, this this is a good matchup for Hurts and Tampa Bay. I mean, they're really struggling just because of all these injuries. It doesn't look like they're going to get, you know, their key guys back on defense. They're getting Winfield back, I think, but the cornerback situation, uh, I think they're still down their start, all their starters. Uh, yeah, and so, uh, Levante David's out too. Yeah, so it's Pretty just huge. a, you know, containing Hurts in the run game is going to be more difficult. Containing Hurts through the air is going to be difficult for the bucks. Uh, and then if you blitz them, which they've been doing to other teams, he's really good against the blitz. So a uh, good matchup for the Eagles and, and Jalen hurts in this spot. I like him in the captain spot. I like that call. Uh, Mike Evans would be the guy uh, mm. of the Tampa receivers that I would go for the most um, Philadelphia, very zone heavy team. They have that Jonathan Gannon defense, which is kind of an offshoot of the Brandon Staley. You know, the quarters coverage, two deep safeties, use the corners, go deep, drop back deep as well. Uh, Mike Evans leads the Bucks with 22 targets, 16 receptions, uh, and over 200 yards against zone coverage. So uh, last week, if you read my uh, matchups column about the main slate, I said, look for Antonio Brown to go off against the Dolphins because they're a big man coverage team. Mm -hmm. uh, so this week, uh, I think now it's going to be, and of course, Evans, and pretty much everyone had a good game. Um, but, you know, this week I think is an Evans week. Uh, you know, it, it really sets yeah. up a lot better for Evans. I know a lot of people are going to jump on Brown now after the big game, and he can, he can beat any type of coverage. But in these type of coverages that Philly runs, I think the most likely candidate for the monster game uh, is Mike Evans. So love him. And then I think Leonard Fournette still deserves some love. You know, every, anytime you have like a mysterious injury, to a star player. I think you always have to consider what would happen if they're kind of playing, you know, it's a Thursday game. Are you referring, you're referring to Brady's thumb injury. In yeah. This case? yeah. 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 I, I just think, you know, he's going to play Tom Brady's not going to miss a game because of a thumb injury, but short mm -hmm. week uh, defense is banged up. You might see them keep it on the ground a little more than usual. And you have a Eagles defense an Eagles defense. That's 23rd in run defense DVOA and 25th in DVOA on targets to opposing running backs, according to football outsiders. So they haven't really been good against the run, which is, you know, somewhat surprising because they have a pretty good front, but it's been better pass rushing. And then, you know, obviously Brandon Graham out, you know, hurts that front a little bit. So they haven't been good against running backs uh, or as good as they normally are. So uh, still a good matchup for Fournette, who's getting about 60% of the, the non-quarter, well, pretty much 60% of the carries because Tom Brady's not carrying the ball. 
Although he did have a scramble last week. He did have a pretty yeah, he's I think had he had a, a season high scramble like, uh, yardage last week. Every week he's had a pretty long scramble, it seems. He's trying to get um stay over a thousand career rushing yards, right? Oh, I, I had <laughs> no idea. He refuses to take kneel downs because he's trying to stay above, but I think he's well above a thousand yards now. I need to double check. Yeah. But um yeah, I love the Fournette call and um, he's the true workhorse back. And last week he had a 60% routes run rate and Gio Bernard was only 17%. So really the only game that we've seen Gio Bernard really go off as a pass catcher was that trailing game script. So it seems like whenever the Buccaneers are playing with a lead or a close game, like Fournette's going to be the main guy. So certainly love the call. Like if you think Brady's going to um, be held back at all with this thumb injury, Fournette's a nice pivot play there. Yeah. And, you know, between Fournette and Evans, I think you could have and Hurts, you could really play around yeah. with some different combinations with all of those guys in there um, and, and and even still go Brady, but just maybe not in the captain spot. Maybe it's not like a, a 500 yard game this week for Brady. But uh, <laughs> what about, you know, our DFS cheat codes? You know, some guys maybe a little bit lower roster percentage or, you know, pretty cheap kind of guys. Who are you looking at there? Um, I mean, there's so many obvious plays in this game, so I'm just going to talk about two guys on the Eagles I think are sneaky. Uh, the first is obviously Quez Watkins. Like, he's an 80-yard touchdown waiting to happen, so this is a matchup I could see him going off. Uh, wonderful stacking partner with Jalen Hurts um, is using uh, Quez Watkins, potentially in the captain slot too. I might throw one team out there with Watkins in the captain slot, but um, I think the sneaky play here is Jack Stoll. Um, you know, Dallas Goddard, uh, just got placed on the COVID list. Um, and the fact that this game is Thursday night does not bode well for his chances to suit up. So I think everybody's going to be on Zach Ertz, and rightfully so. I mean, he's my tight end 10 uh, to open up the week. But Jack Stoll will see playing time. You know, the Eagles will still use a heavy two tight end sets. And Jack Stoll's a guy, if you're watching preseason, um, you got to see him in action, and he could certainly step into a pass-catching role. Um, it would not shock me if he ends up getting, you know, three to four catches here potentially a touchdown, um, low roster ship percentage. I don't think he'll be a popular play. Um, so he's a guy that I, I would consider a possible cheat code for this uh, showdown slate. Uh, if they would this, would it change your mind if they like randomly just like uh, brought up elevated uh, Richard Rogers or signed him? I don't even know if he's on the practice squad or not. Yeah, well, is there, or is it Noe Togiai right now? I, I don't know who, who's their tight end. Like that well, they, had, they had Tyree Jackson who looked really good um, in preseason, but he's on IR. Uh, Jason Crooms on IR. So all the guys that they potentially call up that I'd be worried about are on IR. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, I don't, I don't know if Richard Rogers is on the yeah. practice. I don't even think he is. I think it's Togi. I, I, I just know the Eagles. And I feel like if Goddard's going to miss, they'll just sign Richard Rogers to like a one day contract. Oh, they better not. If they do, then obviously <laughs> that's going to screw things up for me, but um, just, just watching the preseason and hearing uh, the coaches talk about him, they do like him. So this is a spot he could step up. And again, yeah. it's kind of like Grayson last night. It would not surprise me if he ends up with zero catches, but um, he should see playing time and he has flashed in preseason. So that's why these slates are fun because sometimes you have to take a wild ass flyer like this. And uh, for this slate, I think it's going to be stole for me. Yeah. And uh, again, this is, you know, it's a good matchup for Hertz and a guy like stole. All you need is uh, like a touchdown catch one catch for a touchdown. Oh, to do no, it. I would love a touchdown. I'll, all you need is like three catches for 30 yards. Really? Yeah. I mean, I, I just, I feel like that's harder to get than like just one catch for a yard and like that little play action. Cause like Hertz Hertz ran it in last week. Did you see that against Carolina? He yeah. like ran. He, so this week you got to just play action, sneak out stole. Who's probably going to be lined up inside of Hertz. And then, you know, just wide open for the touchdown in the end zone. I would love that. 
Yeah. Just watch. It'll be like Boston, Scott. Uh, and, oh, no. Don't put that out in the world. <laughs> no, yeah, that, would no. Be, that would be the most Eagles thing ever. Of course, it's going to be Boston, Scott. Um, but no, I, I like uh, I like to call. I, I, yeah, I doubt Goddard is going to play. Uh, and that's why I really like Zach Ertz. Um, even if Goddard plays, I like him. I think if he plays, his uh, Ertz's roster shift is obviously going to go down. But if he doesn't, uh, he's a great value because – Guess how many pass blocking snaps Ertz has this year? Uh, since you're asking that way, I'm guessing it's low. Is it under five? Yes. How much is it? Less than three? Yes. Is it zero? <laughs> That's not zero. It's one. Oh, it's one. Close <laughs> enough. Yeah. <laughs> he, he has he has wow. a single pass blocking snap. It came in week three against the Kansas City Chiefs. He has a uh, hundred and twenty. Let me see what that is. Three, two, one. He has a hundred twenty-eight. Uh, routes and one pass blocking snap this year. So if Ertz is in the game and he's going to play, he's going to play close to a full complement of snaps. Yeah. He'll block a little more than like once, but he may get like a route on like 80% of the dropbacks. If um, you know, if he's that number one tight end and the Eagles have played with at least one tight end on the field, pretty much every snap. So uh, this, this could just be a blow up spot for Ertz. This could be the Ertz of old, uh, when, you know, in terms of the the game and you look at Tampa Bay, they're going to they're gonna have to help their cornerbacks. You know, this is Devontae Smith. This is you still have Rager Watkins, like you said, is a big touchdown waiting to happen. So uh, it's not you know, you're going to ha- have to give up something. And it's, I think it's going to be the tight end Bucks allowing the sixth most fantasy points two tight ends. They're allowing the uh, ninth most yards and with 320 through five games and the most catches tied for the most catches, 36 catches. Uh, to tight ends through five weeks. So love Ertz. Same same thing goes for Stoll there. Uh, and then another guy I want to talk about real quick is Tyler Johnson. And that's because Chris Godwin got nicked up in that Miami game. He was limited in practice with knee and ankle injuries. Now, mm-hmm. again, I don't think Godwin's going to sit out. The fact that he was limited uh, tells me he's going to play. But so Godwin ran around on only 73% of the dropbacks last week. Johnson was up at 56%. So it's a short week knee and ankle with a wide receiver. There are a lot of different way reasons that Godwin snaps could be limited, whether there's just a plan to limit him um, because of the injuries, whether they start blowing him out and they take him out early uh, mm-hmm. or whether, you know, he, he just gets more nicked up in the game. There are a lot of different routes to him kind of being uh, on, on a bit of a snap count this week. And you could see Johnson getting, you know, upwards of half the, the routes per drop back. That's big for a guy uh, price that low. So like Johnson, you know, he's a talented guy. We saw him flash a couple of times down the stretch last year. There were even times when he was kind of overtaking Scotty Miller, who now is out. So uh, this could be a good game for Johnson uh, this week against the Eagles. So Johnson and, uh, and Ertz of mine. Yeah. I, I like that call as well. I think, yeah, like you said, a lot of his, so he, he ran around 56% of the time that that was obviously due to the blowout, but you know, Chris Godwin being banged up certainly played into it, but they, I think they played less two tight end sets or they just, they didn't run their tight ends out there as much without Gronk. So maybe that sticks this week and we can bank on Johnson to get over, you know, 35% routes run. Uh, but yeah, I love Johnson and he would be like a top two receiver on just, you know, a handful of teams. It just shows how loaded the Buccaneers oh, yeah. pass catchers are. But if he were to tra- be traded to the Lions, he would immediately be their number one receiver. So he's very talented. So any, <laughs> any spot like this where we can get some Tyler Johnson, I'm all for it. And I don't even know if the blowout really impacted Godwin because Evans played 88% of the snaps and Evans season average is 88%. So 
you know, you would, you would think they would take, you know, Evans out as well, but um, it was more, it, it might've just been Godwin got banged up. So we'll see. Well, Godwin, yeah. I need to look that I'm trying to say like, do they play more four wide receiver sets or something? I haven't looked at the breakdown. Yeah, Brad, so it was Evans, 88%, Godwin, 73%, Brown, 67 Johnson, 56. So yeah, they went, their tight end, the, the, the two tight end sets definitely went down a bit uh, from their normal averages, but um, I, I just don't, I don't know if it was the blowout that necessarily impacted Godwin or if it was the injury because Evans played his normal snap. So, yeah, it's probably a combo of both. And, you know, Scotty Miller's on IR. So Tyler Johnson's absorbing all of those snaps as well. So yeah, uh, Johnson's stock has certainly gone up. Yeah. And yeah. And I mean, cause Jaden Mickens did play a season high 13%. So uh, he's not usually a guy that's going to factor in too much. So I think yeah. that was, that was probably due to the blowout, but uh, yeah, either way, Johnson town, a guy, like him. Uh, that was our Thursday night showdown breakdown. Let's get into the main slate. And we got the London game this week. So that's off the main slate. And that's the Jaguars and the Miami Dolphins. Uh, well, I mean, what a fun game that'll be. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, let's get into quarterbacks. Sean, who do you got for your top five at quarterback this week? So my top five right now are Josh Allen. Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady, and Kyler Murray. Uh, and it, it, I would say it's like a five-way tie for first. I mean, how stacked is the top five right now? It's insane. And that's not even including guys like Justin Herbert, Dak Prescott. Like, the, the cream of the crop at quarterback is so insane right now. Um, it makes it really tricky to, like, project who's the top five. So is, is your top five different than that, or, or is it the same guys? Uh, it's the same top four, Allen, Lamar, Mahomes, Brady. I actually have Hurts a tad bit ahead of Murray uh, for that fifth spot. You know, it's – I mean, both of those guys, you can't really yeah. go wrong. Uh, <laughs> Cleveland was playing good defense, and then Justin Herbert was the quarterback one against them. So, uh, you know, Murray might end up overtaking him, but this Tampa Bay defense is just so banged up. And mm-hmm. the way they're playing, you know, kind of plays perfectly into what Hurts does that, uh, you know, I think he'll have a great game too. So, you know, it's, it, it is, it's super stacked this week and it's crazy because the one guy maybe not playing as well as, as the others is Patrick Mahomes. So it's, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, I mean, it, it's, it's kind of interesting to see if he, if he'll rebound, I think he will. That Washington defense has been just a nightmare uh, against the pass. So uh, good. And just the, the, the chiefs, the chiefs defense is such a nightmare right now. Um, I, I think that's going to just elevate, Mahomes ceiling the rest of the way. They they know they have to put up like 40 points now. Um, so just just how bad the Chiefs de- defense is playing means Mahomes stock is gonna go up, I think. All right. So the one guy that we didn't mention, well, we mentioned him, but he was the QB one last week, Justin Herbert. He is the fourth highest priced quarterback on DraftKings 7,300 going against a Baltimore defense on a short week that just gave up 400 yards to Carson Wentz. So where is Herbert in your rankings? And is he a guy that even though he's not in that, you know, top five for you, a guy that you would uh, you'll be rostering in tournaments? Yeah. So he's my QB seven on the week. Again, nothing against Herbert. It's just everybody else is, uh, you know, projecting well this week. It's a little bit tougher matchup, but Herbert is matchup proof right now. Um, and for DFS, this is certainly a game that we want to stack. Uh, I think it's going to be very popular stacking this game. But I'm at the point where you just kind of jam Herbert in. Uh, I mean, pairing him with Mike Williams has been money. Uh, I like Keenan Allen this week. So it's just so easy 
to, to stack Herbert and GPPs. Um, so even though he's ranked seven on this week, you can't go wrong with him. He still has a massive ceiling. Um, and yeah, he was a QB one last week. So, um, you know, it, it just, it's hard to project him higher than these guys. Cause he doesn't provide much, you know, rushing stats, you know, a guy like uh, Jalen hurts or Kyler Murray, they at least have the rushing stats to boost their floor and ceiling. So that's the only knock against Herbert, but he certainly, um, can produce in the air. So, like I said, just these top seven quarterbacks, you really can't go wrong with any of them right now. Yeah. And the, you know, the good thing about the chargers is they're letting Herbert drop back about two thirds of the time. So even though he's not getting the Russian stats, he's passing, you know, they're throwing more and he's really good at throwing. So yeah, no uh, shit. <laughs> yeah, he's uh, you know, he's my QB seven two. um, yeah. and then Stafford and then Heineke is actually, uh, in my top 10. So let's, let's talk about, uh, some guys we like at quarterback outside that stud tier. And I think Heineke for me is, is one of the first guys I'm looking at. He's 5,800 on DraftKings going up against the Kansas city defense, which is 31st in past DVOA. Uh, I don't know how they're not 32nd. Who is 32nd? Let me, let's see who's 32nd. Oh, the ja- of course, the Jaguars. Of course, of course. Of course. <laughs> how? I, like that's even, that's actually a, an absurd stat. Like how has somebody been worse than the chiefs? In, in past yeah, that's events. bizarre. Uh, uh, I mean, it's factoring in schedule, so yep, yep, yep. There you go. Uh, so yeah, the Chiefs have been bad. Tara Heineke can move a little on the ground, uh, should be a high scoring game because Washington is 29th in pass defense DVOA. So, and Kansas City just lost its starting running back, Clyde Edwards Elaire, for a few weeks. So, <laughs> this is a get right game. For Patrick Mahomes, this is a get-right game for the Chiefs, which means it should be a high-scoring one, which means Heineke uh, will be leaned on it. And there, I don't know if you saw the the news that Ryan Fitzpatrick could be back soon. So I think Heineke is going to be – he's going to go YOLO in this one, you know? It's like no one's expecting him to win this game. They're going to need to put up 30-plus points if they want to even have a chance. They're going to need to put up 300-plus yards of passing offense to have a chance. So uh, I just like everything for Taylor Heineke in this spot. I am right there with you. I just wrote him up as my top streamer play this week. It's pretty obvious because, you know, he's borderline top 10. Um, and I even mentioned the, the motivating factor that Ryan Fitzpatrick is potentially returning this week. And if, if Heineke has a good game, you know, they, they probably won't force Fitzpatrick out there. You know, they, they already like Heineke. He played well in the playoffs last year when they needed him. Um, so this is a prove it spot for him. It's a great matchup. He's only 5,600. Um, he's about as cheap I would go. I don't think this is a week we need to explore Jared Goff or Carson Wentz. Um, they're probably underpriced, but I think Heineke's the cheapest I'll go because, like I said, you know, you can't go wrong with these studs. So, um, you know, Heineke, certainly if you're trying to save some money and spend up at other positions, um, he is the best play at quarterback this week. Yeah, love it. Uh, anyone else you're looking at uh, in the in these quarterback tiers? Um, what do you think about Matthew Stafford this week? Yeah, so I, I wrote him down as a as a top play because um, you know he he's pretty cheap this week, six seven hundred. I think people overlook him just because the Rams are like eleven point favorites. We don't know who's sitting up for the Giants yet, um, so people may shy away because it's going to be a blowout. But he still has a high ceiling; like he could still go off for three hundred yards, three touchdowns. Um, so he he could be kind of a low rostered kind of contrarian play this week and affordable. Um, so I wouldn't sleep on him, but. The, the other guy at the top, like Lamar Jackson, would not be 7,400 if they were to reprice players after last mm-hmm. night. Like he should probably be 8K by now um, because 
you know, I mentioned it going into last night. Like he's looked a lot more like the 2019 version of Lamar Jackson, maybe even better um, as opposed to the 2020 version last year where he was kind of a bust um, and he could be getting Rashad Bateman this week. So, you know, the, the needle's pointing up for Lamar Jackson. Um, this game against the Chargers is going to be a shootout. And the Chargers have struggled against the run this year. They're 31st in DVOA. So, you know, Lamar might have a 100-yard rushing game. Um, so he has the highest ceiling, I think, this week. And he's only 7,400. So um, he'll be popular this week, but I think I'll still jam him in there. Yeah, I think he should be the cash game. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yep. And, uh, and, and it's tough because the, the Ravens used to be a team that, a team like the Chargers, you know, they're well coached on defense, Brandon Staley. And we saw it against the Raiders, right? They they decided they wanted to stop the run and they did it. But I think in a matchup like this, Lamar now, he's become so dangerous as a passer. And we started to see that even in week one. Like they just he just looked a little different as a passer, even though the numbers weren't always there, or like, you know, there were some fumbles and other things kind of getting in the way. But now, you know, he's throwing it deep. Marquise Brown scores at least one touchdown pretty much every game. Mark Andrews is a threat. Uh, you know, it's just like now Lamar can throw for 300 plus. So I don't know if the Chargers can get out of that too deep, you know, safety look that they like to stay in uh, and play the run here because they Baltimore probably makes them pay this version of Baltimore. So, yeah, I like Lamar. Uh, yeah, and imagine if uh, – Imagine if Hollywood Brown didn't drop, what was it, two or three wide open <laughs> touchdowns yeah. in week three, I think it was. Imagine how good Lamar would look if, you know, Brown caught those balls. Um, yeah. And so what's going on with the spread, though? Just, uh, you know, they were a little bit here, but uh, the Ravens are minus three, like 99% of the money is on the Chargers, which makes <laughs> sense. Like, what the hell is going on here? This is obviously a preview uh, to you and Stucky's pod right. tomorrow, but like, is this a trap game? What, what's going on with the spread? Well, Baltimore just played a long-ass game where they got down 19 points to the Colts, and they're on a short week. And, again, Staley, good defensive coordinator. The Chargers just outscored the Browns in Cleveland. I mean, not let me say it again. The Chargers just put up, what, pretty much 50 points on the Browns almost. It's, you know, some conversions had been different. But, uh, yeah, I th- you know, I think early in the week, that 99% is probably just like one big bet. Uh, on the Chargers, and I think that might have been me. I'm not gonna lie. Right. <laughs> it might have been a three and a half too, right? Like this, <laughs> the line was at three and a half, and I think it, uh, I think it went to three or something like that. So uh, I, I certainly get it. I think the Chargers, uh, they're gonna, they're in any any game. Well, like what, the Chargers. What, I mean, I'm pro- I'm projecting Baltimore minus one and a half here. What what's your projection? Yeah, uh, I gotta look at it, but I'm pretty sure it's it's yeah, it's gonna be like one and a half or two. I think it's not. Yeah. It's there's gonna be like there's no field goal, definitely. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, yeah, this something seems like again, a trap is all. That's well, I mean, it could be a trap for Baltimore though, you know, like, as the favorite. Right. <laughs> so yeah, that, yeah, it kind of worries me having Herbert's like seventh, but it's like yeah, you can't knock Kyler down, you can't <laughs> knock Hertz down. It's it's tough. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's quarterback. Uh, let's get a prop. Who's our quarterback prop this week? Uh, so we're, we're sticking with this game. Uh, this is probably the best match of the week in my, in my mind. But um, so which quarterback will have the most combined passing and rushing yards, Justin Herbert or, or Lamar Jackson? Ooh, I have Herbert at like 327 and Jackson at like three. Yeah, so I'm going Herbert here just because it's still easier to get passing yards. Yeah. And, and Lamar was coming from behind now. He, they are a favorite. And they're a lower favorite 
than last week, but you still got to say, okay, especially after what happened last week, they're probably going to, you know, maybe slow play this a little bit, you know, try to get that run game going against that defense. So I, I still see, I still think Herbert just because, you know, a couple of throws to Mike Williams and he's going to run away with it. So <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I go Herbert. What do you, what about you? Oh man, I'm right there. So I have Lamar with just slightly more combined yards, but I, I think the same way where um, passing yards, there's more variance. So go with a guy with the higher projection there. Um, so I'm going Herbert, but I'm, I'm just curious, what are you projecting for uh, Lamar Jackson, his, his passing yards right now? I have him at 253 with six ups. Oh, yeah, about 60 rushing yards. So. I, I am right there with you. I have 248 passing yards for Lamar. What do you, what do you have for Herbert? I have, so right now I have 294, but this is earlier in the week. It would not surprise me if it ends up being closer to 310, 315. Yeah, I have him at 313. So <laughs> I can't uh, tell you there. Yeah. And um, uh, I just think with the, the shootout nature in this game, um, it, you got to bump it up a bit. But, you know, the Ravens, like you said, they might run a ton, play keep away a bit. So that, that would certainly suppress Herbert's, you know, passing stats. But he's matchup proof at this point. So he, he seems like a guy that I'm just automatically projecting over 300 yards going forward. Yeah, it's uh, it should be an interesting matchup, but uh, obviously stay tuned later in the week. Maybe we'll have some props for it. You know, Stucky and I will break down the game, uh, see how we think about it, because uh, this, this is going to be an important one to get right, because there's a lot of different outcomes. Because remember that Browns game a couple weeks ago where it was like Browns uh, Vikings, I think, and it was like it seemed like it was going to be one of those fan- great fantasy games, and it was like 14-7. <laughs> so like this Browns yeah. defense has been so up and down. Uh, and so like, I don't know what to make of the chargers, like going crazy on them. Like, is that going to, does that mean they're just going to go like a hundred points on Baltimore or, you know, I, it's, it's tough. So, um, yeah. this, this is an important game to get right. Let's go to running back. Uh, who's your top five at running back for week six, Sean? So I got Derek Henry, number one, he's still the King and then CMC at two, assuming he returns this week. Then Austin Eckler, Najee Harris, Nick Chubb. There should be a lot of shuffling here. It's very close. Um, outside of the top two, I would say. Um, so that could shuffle a bit, but that's what I have right now. Yeah, I have uh, Henry Eckler, McCaffrey third. That's just because I'm not project like I, I kind of raise guys' workloads a little bit as the week progresses and they practice each day. I kind of, you know, give them an extra like 5%. So McCaffrey probably ends up number two if he's, if he's a go, but um, right now I have Eckler number two, uh, McCaffrey three, Najee Harris four, and then Zeke Elliott five. And that's a guy he could move down because he's also – uh, I think he popped up on the injury report. I know he got nicked up in that Giants game, uh, although he looked like he came back in and was fine. But, um, you know, Elliot, I think, is, you know, he's a guy that yeah. if he's healthy, uh, he seems right back there where, you know, we all were drafting him as like that RB5. And, you know, for, for a couple of weeks in there, it looked like, oh, no, maybe Pollard's cutting into it. But uh, whatever's happened, that Dallas offense is just humming. So yeah, uh, you know, yeah, Elliot's a guy. You can't grow over Zeke at five. I, I think I know I have Chubb uh, number five though. My yards per carry projection <laughs> is five point three. What's yours? Is it? Oh uh, man, let's five find out. Three? Let's find out. It's it got to be over five by now, right? <laughs> nah, four point seven. Four point seven. You're getting there. We're gonna get you yeah. over five at some point. He, if, you know, give like week eight. <laughs> Every week, I think it raises like you know a point. Yeah. Um, who are they? Who is this? Uh, the Arizona. Uh, Arizona, yeah. So Arizona's been kind of what mediocre and run. So, oh, so I wanted to just ask real quick: Is Cream Hunt inside your top twelve now? Twelve. Uh, Cream Hunt. Cream Hunt. Cream Hunt. Now nah, he's twenty third. Whoa, uh, he's in my top twelve now. Holy, what? what? And I uh, like I, he's the guy that I've been suppressing more than consensus. <laughs> I'm always under on uh, versus EDR, uh, ECR. 
uh, on fantasy pros, but uh, this week he's number 12 and I didn't really bump him up much, uh, yeah, but he's really played like a top 12 running back. I can't remember a time where I've had two running backs from the same team inside the top 12. Can, can you remember a time ever where that's happened? Kind of think. Trying, no, like, I don't think so. Cause that would, go, that would go back to like the pre, like the yesteryear of the NFL Priest before Holmes I really, Larry Johnson. Yeah. Like, like, and I don't, I, I wasn't don't doing even... these kind of projections back then. Like we didn't have, <laughs> we didn't have like a routes run data and shit. You know, uh, like, Fred Taylor and Jimmy Stewart. Like I'm trying to. <laughs> oh yeah. No. What were those Carolina backs where Stewart used to get like the, nah, that was, even oh, that yeah. Wasn't. Yeah. yeah Stewart, nah. he, he would, he would vulture Fred Taylor and then he went to Carolina. That's right. Uh, D'Andre Williams and um, it was Carolina. The Panthers had D'Angelo Williams and Stewart and Stewart was the other that Stewart. That's a different Stewart. I think what, what, <laughs> the point is, yeah, it doesn't happen much. Um, I mean, Hunt, the thing about Hunt is his workload hasn't really been changing. Like he's thir- uh, 41% of the routes, 37% last week. And then the carries, he's getting about you know 36% of the non-quarterback carries. Uh, and that's what he had last touchdowns. week. Touchdowns. Touchdowns. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it, it's hard to assume, you know, regression is going to happen when he scores touchdowns every single week. Um, yeah. And he's just a phenomenal running back. Like he is literally the best backup running back in the league. Um, so, you know, my, my touchdown projections for him are strong um, and he doesn't need that many touches to, to go off. So he, how many he total just, touchdowns do you have for hunt for hunt this week? Let me this see. Week. Um, I got him for 0. 0.4 rushing and 0. 0.24 receiving. Okay. Yeah. So your receiving is a, a lot higher than mine. I have him for, I have him for like 0. 0.12 receiving and 0. 0.48 rushing. So I'm about 0. 0.6 touchdowns overall which means he scores a touchdown probably half the time at least. Um, yeah. You know, if you play this simulation like a hundred thousand times. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's interesting. His, his receiving touchdowns are just lower, lower for me. Has he scored a receiving touchdown yet this year? Or they've been all rushing. No, I don't think he, but last year he did. Um, let me see. Uh, it's my model's pretty convoluted, so I can't really backtrack <laughs> too much, but Oh, you know, I mean, Dalvin cook is running back 13. Yeah. Um, so if it looks like he's going to play, I mean, that's certainly going to knock Kareem Hunt outside of the top 12. But I just thought it was interesting. Either way, Kareem Hunt's going to be a top 15 back for me. And it's just, it's weird to see that happen this day and age to have two running backs on the same team inside of the top 15. It's just crazy. Yeah. No, yeah. I, I just have, yeah, I'm looking at why I have his receiving touchdowns lower. It's just because he's run a bunch of routes this year and he still hasn't, uh, he had, he's had 70 routes on a touchdown, so that's why. Yeah, fair enough. That's just Probably knocking fair. him down a little. It's kind of like Michael Pittman. Now he finally gets to move up because he's finally scored a touchdown. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Um, but, all right, Sean. So, you mentioned your top five. Uh, a couple of guys, we, you know, not in that top five, uh, and especially, you know, Dalvin Cook. Um, he's the third highest priced running back on DraftKings, 7,700. You have to have Aaron Jones, a guy we didn't mention, at 7,300. Um they'll probably get lower roster ship than, you know, McCaffrey, who's all the way down to 8,800, which seems like a steal if he plays and then Eckler, you know, he's been, he's been rising up the rank. So yeah, Sean, um, what are your thoughts on Dalvin cook? You know, he's a guy third highest price guy. Um, think his roster ship will be low just because of the uncertainty. If he plays Carolina has been decent against uh, backs for, for most of the year. And, and Aaron Jones, a guy we really haven't mentioned going against Chicago, uh, any thoughts on those guys? Are, are you interested in them? Maybe if they have a low roster ship or are you kind of fading? Uh, pr- probably fading Delvin Cook this week. And by the way, thanks for jamming him in on our uh, dual lineup last week. He didn't even play. I know, right? <laughs> uh, 
but but it's like obviously we would have pivoted to Alexander Madison had we known. Um, I think just given how well Alexander Madison has played, it wouldn't surprise me if they give Cook another week off. Um, certainly if he's if he's healthy enough, they'll play him. But I think we we have to limit his touches until proven otherwise. So I, I get the contrarian play to kind of like jam him in there, even though he's expensive. But I'll probably be off him even if he does suit up. Whereas Aaron Jones, um, I don't know if you saw, but um, but yeah, Matt LaFleur said um, he left the stadium yesterday wishing he had given the ball to A.J. Dillon more than 12 times. Um, and, you know, A.J. Dillon had four catches. He looks really good. Um, you know, Aaron Jones has been in a committee almost his entire career. So I think people might see a quote like that and back back off of him, but he's still my RB6. Like he's still going to get touches. He's still, you know, one of the most dynamic runners in the league. So I think he could be a nice contrarian play this week. Um, certainly he's matchup proof. So I'll have to kind of gauge where the public is with him. And even if they saw these statements by the floor on Dylan, but he's a guy where whenever you can get him a uh, low roster ship, I think he's, a, he's a good play just because he has that massive ceiling. Yeah. I mean, that's, that is concerning for Jones. He's my RB seven right now. Um, but I do like to adjust for things like that, you know, when coaches say that. So uh, I may bump him down a couple of ticks. Uh, you know, I, I do think if he's going to be, cause that, that quote might get him like, you know, 5%. If that, if he's under 5% projection or something like that, check our fantasy labs models. Yeah. I, I'm interested, but that is concerning. Uh, you know, especially against a, a Chicago front that is, you know, fairly decent, you know, green Bay and Chicago tend to have these, these lower scoring battles. Chicago is, number 11 and run defense DVOA. So they've been solid. So uh, yeah, that, that's something to monitor. Be sure to check our rankings at actionnetwork.com later in the week to see where we end up on, on Jones. Cause that's another guy. I think, yeah, it's going to be pretty important to get him right. Who are some other running backs that you like this week? Maybe some guys with low roster ship or just guys who uh, project as good values uh, relative to the salary. In terms of just, you know, projected to be a good value, that's, Daryl Henderson at 6K, uh, you know, I already mentioned the Rams are 11 point favorites against the Giants this week. So they, they may lean on the run game a bit more. Um, we saw Sony Michelle, you know, he had 11 carries last week, looked pretty good. Um, but, you know, that was because Daryl Henderson had to take a quick break. Uh, he, he was dealing with like a shoulder injury or something. Once he was good to go, he came back in. So I think, you know, we could bank on him to be a workhorse back this week. Um, not too worried about Sony Michelle. Um, eating into his workload. So love Henderson at 6K. I'm also interested in both Lions running backs. I think people may be overlooking him this week. Uh, but so DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams are sneaky plays this week. Um, the Bengals have allowed the second most fancy points running backs, and that's because they've allowed some massive games um, through the air. Um, obviously, uh, Najee Harris's 14 reception game um, was against the Bengals. That was kind of fluky. But last week, we had Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon both caught four balls and we've seen, you know, Jared Goff lean on his running backs a ton this year. So it would not surprise me if both running backs hit value again this week. Um, so they're kind of like a, a contrarian kind of play this week. Um, and then last but not least, I think it's time to kind of buy low or just get Javante Williams before he goes off. Um, he's 5k this week. Certainly he's still in a 50, 50 timeshare with Melvin Gordon, but you know, every metric is showing that he is just playing, uh, really well right now. Um, he ranks fourth in PFS elusive rating. Uh, his 0.35 avoided tackles per temp is the highest rate of any running back with over 25 carries. Um, so, you know, he's looked really good. And I think his time is coming. 
Um, and, you know, it would not surprise me if that, that happens in the next couple of weeks. So I kind of want to get him before that happens and his roster ship is low. So I think uh, he's a sneaky play at 5K this week. Yeah, it's been weird because Javante Williams has looked so good and they continue to go with that split uh, in Denver. And, and I don't know quite what, what's going on there. So, yeah, I like the idea of buying low on him. I think, you know, we can't forget about these these rookies. You know, we've kind of had the first wave of breakouts. Jamar Chase, obviously, leading the way uh, with, the, with, you know, rook, in terms of those rookie breakouts. But I think you're going to see, like, you know, now Javante Williams, guys like that that haven't really truly broken out yet. Uh, not Trey Sermon, but like other people, other running backs that aren't named Trey Sermon uh, are going to start really breaking out. So I like Javante. And I, yeah, I think in regard to the Lions going against the Bengals with Swift and Williams, I mean, football outsiders schedule adjusts uh, running back targets and, you know, for every position, their targets. And the Bengals are still allowing the most even after schedule adjusting it at 10 targets per game to running backs. But you look at their defensive average depth of target, they're third in the league and they're blitzing at the 10th lowest rate. So that means what's happening is they're sitting back in coverage uh, and teams have had to, to dump the ball off underneath uh, against Cincinnati. So if you don't have a Devontae Adams, <laughs> which the Lions clearly don't, you're not really going to be able – teams haven't been able to go down the field uh, against Cincinnati uh, at will. So uh, I think uh, it's going to be a pretty good week for the the Lions running back. I totally agree uh, on that on that call. Uh, for me, I, I like Jonathan Taylor. Uh, I think he's another guy that would have been priced higher if uh, you know they had priced it before the Monday night game. You have Houston that's a run funnel defense. 31st in DVOA against the run, ninth against the pass. So Taylor, I know, you know, Marlon Mack has kind of been getting a little more work than we'd like, but they're also looking to trade him. So by the time you listen to this, he may not be on the team anymore. Uh, Jordan Wilkins has been pretty much a special teams guy for most of this year. So I think, you know, whether Mack is active or not, I think Taylor is still a great play against this Houston defense. Uh, Antonio Gibson, I mean, he was I didn't expect much from him last week, and uh, he still handled a pretty decent workload. He's getting over 70% of the running back carries for Washington this year, and he's going against the Chiefs defense. That's dead last in DVOA against the run, and they're bottom five in DVOA on targets to backs. And Gibson and McKissick have been nearly even for most of the year in terms of their splits uh, running routes out of the backfield. So Gibson's at 42% and McKissick, is at 46%. So not a huge edge there for McKissick, not the way it was last year uh, when Gibson wasn't running as many routes. So he's a true workhorse. Gibson's actually my RB6 this week. So, Jeez. yeah, he's I, up I there. can't fault you. I mean, it's it's a great matchup. And I, I love those calls. I feel like I've been kind of saying the buy low on Jonathan Taylor and Antonio Gibson the past couple weeks. And then I backed off a little bit last week and paid dearly. Um, yeah, Gibson's dealing with like a, a stress fracture in his shin or something, but I mean, he didn't look like it. Um, so yeah, I, I'm back there with you, but I don't have him as high as six. Uh, so that's interesting that you have him that high, but yeah, I, I mean, his workload didn't that. change. His workload didn't change yeah. last week. So he's 72% of the, the non quarterback carries and 42% of the routes run out of the backfield. Uh, that's what I haven't projected for this week. And yeah, he's yep. RB six. And, you know, after I adjust for Aaron Jones, who's my RB seven, uh, you know, somebody else, you know, like Gibson does, <laughs> is not really in danger of falling yeah. that far down because it's just more of a pain tolerance thing. So, I mean, maybe you could say his injury risk is a little higher. So maybe that knocks him down. But uh, yeah, he's pretty, he's more locked in than Jones, I think, in that top seven for me. So uh, yeah, we really like him this week. And I think the price is, is good. All right, Sean. So another guy that I'm kind of curious to hear your opinion on, 
because I, I think he might have a lower roster ship this weekend. That's Damian Williams. We'll talk about Daryl in a bit too, but Damian Williams going against a Green Bay defense that's bottom four in run defense DVOA, uh, 24th in DVOA on targets to backs. Uh, this could be a good matchup for Chicago uh, in the backfield. And I'm thinking that people may be super low on Damian because Herbert got 18 carries last week, but Damian still got the majority of the pass down work. It's a good pass down uh, kind of game, passing script game for them. And, you know, I, I still think Damian uh, got his workload kind of scaled back because number one, he was a little banged up earlier in the week. Number two, Chicago was controlling that game. Uh, from start to finish. So I still have it more like a, you know, 60, 40, 65, 35 split between Williams and, and Herbert. Uh, so what do you think of Damien uh, this week? Yeah. So I love this call. As I talked about on our waivers pod yesterday, um, you know, Herbert saw 18 carries for 75 yards. So uh, I think people are going to be flocking to him this week, but that was because, you know, the bears were in control of that game. Uh, they won 20 to nine, but I watched most of the game. They, they were in control the majority of the game. So that was a great game script for Herbert. And, um, you know, when the game was close, they were treating Damian Williams like a workhorse back. So I think uh, going into a matchup against the Packers, I think certainly we can project um, Damian Williams as, you know, mid-range RB2. So I do like it. And I think the market, like you said, will kind of overreact and kind of be off of Damian here and be on Herbert. So it is a good buy-low opportunity. Um, and like the next four games, actually, they play the Packers, Buccaneers, 49ers, and Steelers. So we're probably not going to see many positive game scripts. Um, and that plays right into Damian Williams, uh, you know, his playing style. Yeah, I mean, and he'd be he could probably, you know, a contrarian play against the Buccaneers because we saw what Gaskin did pretty much all yeah. through the air. So it's, you know, that's something we have to kind of watch out for too, is that you kind of, you know, you want to fade these guys. Maybe you just fade their rushing props against the Bucs, you know, in the betting markets, but... In DFS, we did see a guy, you know, they can be had through the air. So, yeah, Damien's another guy, I think. Check our projected roster ship for him, but mm-hmm. uh, he could be an interesting play. And uh, and let's talk about Darrell Williams and, and Jarrett McKinnon. So, Darrell Williams played 37 of the non-Quiet Edwards Ware snaps, and McKinnon played 27. So, it's about a, another one of those, like, 60-40 splits uh, in favor of Darrell Williams. But uh, it was almost even – in terms of the passing down usage, uh, Washington is number nine in run defense DVOA. They're pretty bad against the pass. So is this a situation where they might cancel each other out? Or, or how are you projecting Daryl Williams versus Jarek McKinnon? Yeah, so I think Daryl Williams is the lead back here. Um, uh, he's a low-end RB2. Um, I think he's going to dominate the rushing opportunities. Um, certainly the goaling opportunities. Um, he's had three rush attempts inside the five-yard line, converting two of them to touchdowns. They certainly trust him there. Uh, That's a valuable role on the Chiefs. But the other valuable role for a Chiefs back is being involved in the passing game. And unfortunately, it does look like they're going to split that work just based on how they handle it last week after Edwards Hilaire went out. Um, So unfortunately, that does sort of cap Williams' upside. Um, But, you know, he he was, uh, you know, splitting work with uh, Edwards Hilaire last year, especially, you know, heading in the Super Bowl. So maybe they do lean on him a bit more this week. So um, I, I still like Williams, but McKinnon's presence does bring down his ceiling. Um, I'm not interested in McKinnon until we see, um, you know, something out of him, but I think uh, just McKinnon's presence 
lowers Williams' ceiling just a tad, but I still think he's a low on RB2 this week. Um, and certainly a good play in DFS. I don't think he's priced up enough. I believe he's 4900 this week. Um, so he seems like a really good play uh, based on uh, price this week. Yeah, probably not a guy I, I trust in cash games at this point just because I don't mm. – I don't quite know where Kansas city is in their offense. I think they're going to just air it out against Washington. It certainly <laughs> kind of, you know, makes sense yeah. for them to do that. Uh, so I have Williams as, a, as the RB 21. I have McKinnon 36. So yeah, McKinnon's kind of outside that startable range. I have him splitting uh, pass down snaps, but I do have Williams getting the majority of the carries. He got 80% of the carries between him and McKinnon last week, but the, the uh, he Williams, 38% of the routes run McKinnon 35%. So it was pretty close. You know, if they get into a passing script or they just want to throw, um, I think there's it's going to be closer to a 50-50 split. Yeah. But Williams is gonna, should get most of the carries, should get the goal line work. And I'm guessing they bring up a guy like uh, Elijah Maguire to be that third back. Probably doesn't play much uh, either way. Uh, and uh, all right, a guy who I think is probably a little bit safer than Williams at this point, and that's Devontae Booker. Um, and that's because he played 60 of 66 or 91% of the non Saquon Barkley running back snaps for the giants last week, Elijah Penny uh, has been that backup halfback. He used to be a fullback. He's he only mixed in for a handful of snaps and uh, Gary Brightwell, the rookie didn't really play at all. So Booker pretty much was in that Saquon Barkley workload. Now I don't necessarily think he's going to be an 85% guy, but that is his ceiling, you know, being an 85, 90% snap back. But either way, I think he's going to be, Somewhere in that, what you expect from a normal, you know, RB1, which is you know, about two-thirds of the carries, two-thirds of the snaps out of the backfield, um, so about 65-70%. Uh, I think that's a conservative projection for Booker, and that makes him a little different from a guy like Williams who could – it could be closer to 50-50. Uh, both Williams, really, you know, we don't – there's a little more uncertainty there with both of those guys than there is with Booker. Uh, so uh, against the Rams, a team that – what do they do? Two safeties deep. Please run the ball on us. Throw it to your back. That's what the Rams want you to do. So I think Booker can have a good game, even though we don't usually like to play backs who are big underdogs. Uh, I think this is a decent spot for Booker. Yeah, I agree. And um, that that was the most important takeaway last week is, well, there was two, is Gary Brightwell did not see a single touch after Barkley went down. So clearly the Giants are viewing Booker as a workhorse back. He, he showed last year on the Raiders that he could – um, step up and be a workhorse back when uh, Josh Jacobs went down. He stepped up. He was an RB2. Um, so his uh, Booker's 71% routes run rate last week was encouraging going into a matchup where they're 11 point underdogs. So I think we could bank on him potentially getting four plus catches uh, in a negative game script. So uh, do like Booker this week as well. Yeah, they gave him a, a two year deal worth 5.5 mil uh, with two mil guaranteed. So that's, I mean, that's not chump change for like your backup running back, you know what I mean? Yeah. So uh, I think they're going to, they're going to use him quite a bit here. I would, I would expect Brightwell to get a handful of snaps this week. I don't know if he gets shut but out. He's, isn't he more of a bruiser? Like he's not a, he's not a pass catching back. He would be sort of the uh, Khalil Herbert role. If the giants mm-hmm. were to get a 10 point lead on the Rams, uh, very unlikely. I think that's when we would see Gary Brightwell, but in a, in a negative game script, I don't think that's his skill set, right? Yeah. He's yeah. him and uh, Cullen Gillespie, who's there fullback um, uh-huh. those guys are going to play special teams mostly they're like they're going to play special teams and uh short yardage yeah uh, if that you know so yeah booker and, and then i i would again i'd probably expect eli penny to be that rb2 over brightwell so um yeah that's uh 
That's a guy I like Devonte Booker. Uh, let's get to the running back prop. Uh, so we already talked about these two guys, so this should be pretty quick. But I think it's key this week, uh, especially on DraftKings, because these guys are priced very similarly. But um, who will score more DK points this week, Daryl Williams or Devontae Booker? Uh, I got Booker about six, uh, six ranking spots ahead of him. So it's clearly Booker for me again. I just think you have to lock him into a much higher floor of snaps in both the run and the pass game than Williams, who... Um, you know, there's just a little more uncertainty there because he didn't blow McKinnon out of the water in terms of snaps. You know, he, it was more like a 60-40 thing, whereas Booker played, you know, over 90% of the non-Saquon snaps. So uh, clearly Booker for me. What about you? Yeah, so I have him projected about the same. That's why I thought this is a good prop. But um, I think Booker has a higher floor just because I think we could bake on his receiving usage in a negative game script. But Williams might have the higher ceiling just because playing for the Chiefs, he has two touchdown upside. Um, and certainly if they were to just use him as a workhorse back and just use Jerick McKinnon as a, or the, you know, a change of pace back, then Williams has, you know, RB1 upside. So that's why I think Williams may have the higher ceiling, maybe better for tournaments, uh, but Booker certainly has a higher floor. So that's why I'd go with him here. Yeah, I think that's the perfect way to put it. Booker would be a guy, you know, unless something changes and a bunch of value opens up, I could see myself playing Booker in cash games, whereas Williams, uh, just because of snaps, I think he's the guy I want in tournaments, you know, for that upside. I don't really, I think his floor is a lot lower. So, yeah. All right. Now it's time for a little segment here on the pod that we call Prize Picks Elite Entry, where Sean and I compare our projections to the lines in the Prize Picks app to build some entries. Uh, every week on this show, we do running back. So, we'll do two running back picks each. Sean, start us off. Who is your uh, top? Running back, prize pick, lead entry, play for week number six. So my, my first play here is a Thursday night football prop. Uh, love giving at least one of these out uh, every week. But that's Miles Sanders to get less than three and a half receptions this week against the Buccaneers. Um, certainly, we don't like uh, going over on the rushing props against the Buccaneers. But I think this is a good spot. Um, to go against Sanders um, on his receiving prop. And I'm projecting this closer to 3.1 receptions this week. You know, last week he did see a spike um, in terms of routes run. Um, He had a 68% routes run share. Uh, Ended up catching five balls for six yards, so he wasn't that efficient. But that was a close game. Um, And we've seen Miles Sanders heavily involved in close game scripts. Uh, But when it comes to trailing game scripts, which we should see, Uh, Thursday night against the Buccaneers. That's when they like to use Kenneth Gainwell a bit more. So I think he could see more playing time at the expense of Miles Sanders. And at the end of the day, Jalen Hurts loves to pull it down and run. He doesn't like dumping it off to his running back. Um, So Miles Sanders has only seen a 14.7 target rate on his routes run. So um, that's why I'm projecting this closer to three. I think uh, the under three and a half has quite a bit, quite a bit of value here. Yeah, it was a pretty disappointing week for Gainwell overall. Mm -hmm. Uh, But long term, I still think he's the guy that's going to be cutting into Sanders' workload more and more. So I like that. And I I like it so much that I'm also going, I am going under on Miles Sanders (laughs) rushing. Uh, Under 30 and a half at prize picks. Last week, Miami, Miles Gaskin, the starter, put up a monster fantasy day. He had five carries for 25 yards. Savan Ahmed had two carries for five yards. The week before that, uh, Brandon Bolden, Damian Harris, and J.J. Taylor combined for six carries for negative four yards. So that's 13 carries for 26 yards over the last two weeks. The Tampa Bay defense over the last two weeks 
has allowed 13 yards per game from running backs. They have allowed two yards per carry to running backs. Miles Sanders averaging only 9.6 carries per game. Uh, so even if you give him three yards a carry, he falls short of this number. And it's not necessarily uh, a given here against this defense who have shut down pretty much everyone. Uh, and, but you also look at Sanders, and as you mentioned, the game script kind of dictates it. The, the matchup dictates it. Uh, you know, he had he has had a game where he's had two carries. Uh, he's had a game where he's had seven carries. Both of those games came in the last three weeks. So uh, Miles Sanders has been under this number in two of the last three weeks, um, including a, a, even a, even in a cake matchup against Kansas City. Why? Because they were in a trailing game script. So he's only been over that three and a half reception number once in the past three weeks. He's only been over the 30 and a half rushing once in the last three weeks. This is not the matchup for him to do either, I think. So uh, love Miles Sanders under 30 and a half rushing yards. But just yeah, Miles Sanders fade. Yeah, Miles Sanders fade. And I'm with you here. And uh, remember this time last week I had Malcolm Brown under 27 and a half rushing yards against the same defense. And he finished with zero, zero <laughs> rushing yards. <laughs> yeah, I like so. that so much. I like that so much that I use it on our live show. Convinced me. <laughs> when it was at it. 20 and a half. Yeah, I, and I still bet it, which is why I have utmost confidence betting yeah. Miles Sanders under 30 and a half uh, this week. It's, yeah, I love know. it. I mean, Jalen Hurts may uh, go over his rushing prop, but, you know, he's, I would never go against him, but he, he should be able to air it out. Uh, and they could move the ball through the air. And it's it's just going to be a negative game script. Um, so, yeah, would not surprise me if Sanders has fewer than seven carries uh, this week with very little efficiency. So love this call as well. Yeah, and that's why you have to filter out, I think, you know, the rushing against the running backs from the quarterback. Because mm-hmm. it's one thing, you know, you see a guy get a handoff, the linebackers can fire downhill versus when a quarterback's running and a lot of times they come on scrambles, things like that. It's a totally different environment uh, in, you know, what goes into stopping the run of a guy like Hurts than a guy like Sanders. So yeah. we're fading Sanders. Where are you going for your prize pick elite entry uh, running back prop number two? So I'm, I'm, I'm getting gutsy here. Uh, just like my Terry kill under last week, I, I'm going, I'm fading the best running back in football right now. Uh, and that is Derek Henry to go under 105 and a half rushing yards. Um, you know, I, I've been on his over the past couple weeks and hit, but um, like I mentioned, dating back to last season, he's um, averaging 95 rushing yards in losses and 143 rushing yards in wins. Um, so this week, you know, they're plus five and a half against the Bills. Um, so this is potentially a negative game script. Uh, you know, obviously they're going to lean on Henry a ton, but the Bills defense has been unreal this year. Uh, they rank first in passing DVOA and they rank first in rushing DVOA. Um, so this is a tough matchup for Henry. Um, you know, I'm projecting him closer to about 97 uh, yards here, but I think uh, the, the play here is to go under 105 and a half rushing yards. Yeah, I'm right on this line. So, uh, you know, I don't have him quite under. I, <laughs> I, don't, I don't blame you, but yeah. I don't think Derrick Henry and under, like, they just don't go in my <laughs> vocabulary together. <laughs> so, I, I, I consider myself the Derrick Henry whisperer. Um, <laughs> so, like, dating back to last year, I'm 3-0 and um, when fading him. And I think, like, 5-0 and uh, taking us over. So, just trust me on this one. It, it seems scary, but uh, you got to trust the process here. All right. No, I, I don't hate it. I mean, if you're the Derrick Henry whisperer, then... Uh, uh, I can't go against you on that one. Uh, it is it is a tough matchup. The Bills have been so much better against the run uh, this year. Uh, to close it out, I am going to go with Antonio Gibson over 60 and a half rushing yards. Uh, again, again, Gibson's playing a Chiefs defense that's ranked 
dead last in rushing DVOA. That is schedule adjusted. So, um, you know, just in case you thought they faced maybe some some great backs, they haven't. Uh, Gibson is that. And Gibson's getting over 70% of the backfield carries this year. So uh, in this matchup, I think Gibson, you know, obviously the Chiefs are going to put up some points here, but this hasn't stopped the Chiefs from giving up a, a ton of production to running backs. So I think Gibson goes over this number just on the account of how many snaps he's playing, even while hurt, uh, you know, he's still up there in snaps. Okay, so he's gone over this number in three out of five weeks. And last week, he still had 20 for 60 versus a really tough Saints defense that he that he averaged only three yards per carry again. So, so this Chiefs defense, you know, ranked dead last in rushing DVOA. They're going to give up a lot more than that. So I think Gibson goes over for the fourth time uh, in six weeks this week against the Chiefs, even though uh, I do expect some production in the passing game from Heineke. I still think this is a Gibson spot. Over 60 and a half rushing yards for Antonio Gibson. Yeah, I'm with you here. And like I said earlier, uh, when we were talking about running backs, I made the mistake of fading Gibson. That's that's rare for me. I had him all the way down to RB24 last week. I was I was worried about his, his injury and the matchup against the Saints. Uh, and he crushed expectations. So I, I'm never doing that again. Like like I always say, you know, he's still learning how to be a running back. Um, you know, heading into um, his rookie season last year, he was a uh, wide receiver converting to running back. So he's looked a lot better this year. He's only going to get better. So I, I'm a big fan of just investing in Gibson whenever possible right now. Um, so yeah, th- this matchup's way easier this week and I'm projecting him at 65 rushing yards. Uh, so I like the over as well here. 20 carries twice all of last year. 20 carries already twice in five yep. games uh, this year. So Antonio Gibson over 60 and a half. Uh, that is going to wrap it up for our prize picks elite entry segment. To recap, Sean going Miles Sanders under three and a half receptions against the Buccaneers and Derek Henry under 105 and a half rushing yards against the Bills on Monday night. I'm going with Miles Sanders under 30 and a half rushing yards against the Bucks on Thursday and Antonio Gibson over 60 and a half rushing yards against the Chiefs this Sunday. Remember, prize picks markets do move, so you want to hop on these lines quick before the number moves. If you haven't created a prize picks account yet, check out the link in our episode description and they'll match your first deposit up to $100 or visit prizepicks.com and use the promo code ACTION10. That's ACTION10. Now back to the Fantasy Flex. All right, let's go to wide receivers. Sean, who are your top five at wideout for week six? Let's see. So I got Devontae Adams, no surprise there. Um, then Tyreek Hill, Cooper Cup, Stephon Diggs, and then Mike Williams. Welcome to the top five. <laughs> ah, so you, so I know you had DJ Moore there uh, I, I a few some, hours I, ago. I did some, well, you know, it's early in the week. We're getting data. We're tweaking projections. Um, it didn't take much, but uh, Mike Williams has passed up DJ Moore slightly uh, to, to move up into my top five. Yeah, I have, uh, I got Adams number one, Tyreek number two, Cup number three. So we're, uh, we're, sa- we're the same there. I have Terry McLaurin number four. And <laughs> when you talk about a welcome to the top five, Jamar Chase. Wide receiver oh, five yeah. in early projections. Uh, oh, and, and listen, I mean, 95% of the routes run, five, what, five catches every game as a rookie? Oh, he's no. so good, yeah. I mean, and they're, you know, they're playing the Lions. Name a cornerback on the Lions. 
Exactly. <sighs> so, you know, McLaurin going against the Chiefs, we talked about Heineke. That's why I kind of like him there. Um, and Jason and like Diggs, I'm curious for, you know, for Diggs, because I, you know, I, I was high on Diggs last week, um, high on him usually every week, but I have noticed he's getting, maybe it's because the Bills are blowing teams out, but his routes run for drop back hasn't exceeded 82% since uh, week two. Are you kind of still – do you still have him in that 90% range or are you knocking him down a little bit? Um, well, it's a bit early in the week to be going in those projections. But, yeah, <laughs> I, I probably still have him at 90%. I'm not worried about Diggs. If anything, it just shows how good Dawson Knox has been. Yeah. Um, he's really eating into the targets. Uh, but I think Diggs, he's due for a blow-up game. Um, and certainly against the Titans, I could see that happening. But uh, even a guy like Cole Beasley is due for a bounce-back game. So it's just – the Bills are a lot trickier to project this year than they were last year just because of uh, a guy like Dawson Knox, um, you know, seeing a lot more targets. So uh, at the end of the week, I think Diggs will still be in my top five, but I can't say for certain. But I- I'm jealous of your top five. Like having McLaurin and Jamar Chase just sounds more fun. <laughs> I think a guy like Stephon, same old thing, Stephon Diggs. But uh, I love that you-, you have the bold ranking of Jamar Chase in the top five. I love it. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, I, hey, I like, I again, I think you got to go on the data, right? It's like when we had nothing yeah. to go off of, but the fact that he was dropping everything in <laughs> camp, it was like, all right, I'm, I'm going to be low on him. But, you know, seeing what I've seen out of him and just, you know, how good he's been down the field, how well, now if Joe Burrow for some reason is out, and I think he'll be fine because he came back in the game. Mm-hmm. But if he's out, I know he's listed as questionable. If he's out, that obviously changes the rank. And then because yeah. Diggs is my wide receiver six. I think McLaurin stays four for me just because, I mean, we talked ad nauseum about how much we like Heineke in this matchup. Um, so, I, yep. and, and I mean, there's no Washington pass catchers, right? Especially because McKissick's not really getting that workload over Gibson. It's they're, they're just going with like this motley crew of, of receivers. So, and McLaurin, I think he's played every snap in like a couple of the games. He's like 97% for the year. So um, yeah, he's probably staying for maybe chasing Diggs flip flop if Burrow is limited in any way, but uh, yeah, I, I love it. And I could already see in my head, uh, not one, but two times where Terry McLaurin gets past Daniel Sorensen <laughs> for a long touchdown. Like you can already visualize it. It's not, it's not that crazy uh, to think that Terry McLaurin is going to have a massive game this week. And, you know, Curtis Samuel's out. Uh, it seems like Logan Thomas is obviously out. So uh, Heineke is just going to be forcing it to McLaurin. I don't think the chiefs can stop him either. I'm trying to see. So, I mean, it'll, we'll do the lineup at the end, but I'm trying to figure out a way to get Tyreek Hill and Terry McLaurin into the same lineup. Like we can make it, it work. Yeah, it, it, you got to go Heineke, McLaurin, Tyreek. Like that's yeah, that's that's the nut right there. Um, all right. So another guy who's in the top five of pricing um, that we haven't mentioned is DeAndre Hopkins. And we, we tend to discuss him on the show because his ranking has been a lot more volatile, I think, this year. Uh, his performance has been a little more volatile because Arizona is looking to kind of spread the ball around uh, a bit more. And, and it's, it's working. So, yep. so, you know, Hopkins, six catches, 87 yards, a highlight real touchdown against San Francisco last week. Uh, where are you on him now? I know you've been kind of low on him. He's still in the top five of pricing, which – I still think is a little too high. I think I have him ranked, you know, in that more of like a borderline wide receiver one, two, uh, but where are you on Hopkins and, and, you know, paying for him uh, in DFS at this price tag? Um, same as last week. Like he's he, like you said, he's a, he's a fringe wide receiver one, two. 
Um, I would still consider him possibly to be a top five wide receiver in the game. I don't think it has anything to do with his um, talent level by any means, but it's like you said, they're just spreading it around. Um, so unless one of these four receivers go down, like it's going to be hard to project these guys week to week. I think they're all going to be inconsistent. So that's why I'm not interested in spending up, um, for Hopkins. You obviously call it last week. You said he's a good contrarian play, um, in that hit. And I said, Mike Williams yeah. is a good contrarian play spit. So we both kind of hit, but uh, you I, I, I'll give you, I'll give you the Mike Williams. <laughs> like I'm not but, taking anything away from your Mike Williams calls. Like this is <laughs> just enjoy that. Cause like it, Mike Williams is having a, a season, man. Yeah. He's having a season. Yeah, no, no kidding. So I think uh, I'd still rather spend up for him, but, um, you know, it's never going to surprise me. And Hopkins has a good game, but still he's just, when it comes to my projection for him, he's still overpriced. Um, so I think he, he's still a pass for me. So, yeah. So my thing with Hopkins is Cleveland. And this is where the numbers get tricky because, you know, football outsiders have Cleveland is, you know, giving up the most yards to wide receiver ones. But if you look a little closer, they're 32nd in DVOA to the right side of the, of the offensive right side of the field uh, against the pass. And they're number seven to the left. So it's more so that they've just happened to face, you know, top wide receivers that have lined up, you know, on the right side more. But Hopkins always lines up on the left. And they've been really good on the left side of the field. So I tend to go with the directional, you know, because Cleveland plays a ton of zone coverage, right? So uh, I tend to look at the directional rankings versus teams like that play more zone, which most teams do. And But Cleveland is mm-hmm. pretty high on that list. So – this is this sets up as another AJ Green game. Like this is Uh-oh. a this is an AJ Green game, and yeah. I, I kind of talked about it last week. Christian Kirk has been a guy they don't really use much against zone coverage. Uh, San Francisco thought they would play a lot of zone. Kirk snaps went down to fifty three percent a route run per drop back. Uh, he's been their least targeted guy versus zone out of you know all you know even with even Williams even had like twice as many targets uh, against zone before going down. Cleveland's another zone heavy team, so. I'm, I don't know if Kirk like gets knocked down, especially with Williams out, but I do think, you know, green had been the guy against zone coverage and um, you know, that's kind of how they're using him this year. They've it's been working, you know, they've last year, I think, you know, couldn't really beat man coverage as much, but when teams are playing zone, AJ Green's still a, a good receiver still knows what to do. You know, I thought he might be washed, but at least against zone coverage, he's been, you know, he's been productive in this offense. Cause you got so many other guys to worry about. So uh, yeah, I think it's – I'm less excited about Hopkins this week. He's my wide receiver 12, but um, A.J. Green is a guy who's inching up there. He's four, he's like right at my top 40 now, you know, so that's, that's – come, he's come a long way um, from where he was. So, um, like A.J. Green as a, as a Cardinal play. Uh, but who uh, who are some cheat codes you like here uh, at wideout for week six? Um, so, going – up and down the list here, I think uh, Keenan Allen and Robert Woods in that low 6K range um, seem like good value. They're always pretty high floor plays. I would consider them uh, cash plays uh, this week. And then I think T. Higgins at 5,300. I know, I mean, I am high on Chase as well, uh, but T. Higgins might be under the radar this week, especially against the Lions. Um, so he, he returned last week from injury, had a pretty quiet game going for five catches for 32 yards, but any given week, he is still um, capable of blowing up. So I think we could get him at low roster ship at a pretty cheap price. Um, so certainly love uh, T Higgins for tournaments. Um, and then some of the two, two cheaper guys that I do like is Van Jefferson at 3,400. He's still playing a ton of snaps. 
Um, you know, he dropped a touchdown on, um, was it Monday Night Football? Um, he just missed a deep ball. So, you know, the plays are there. He could go off at that price. So I like him as a cheap play. And then John Ross at 3000 like, we'll have to see what happens with all of the Giants receivers. But he may end up being the last man standing, and then he'll probably be a free square at 3K. So um, he's another cheap guy, like, like potentially this week. Yeah, I mean, the Giants are just a nightmare to project right now. <laughs> uh, you know, even Tony is is banged up. Yeah. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on Tony? I mean, it's, while we're on the subject, because uh, he's not ruled out, but he's popping up on the injury report now. So he's now, like, he's just in that, is he just kind of, like, if he's healthy, where are you on Tony, I guess? Yeah, like, if he plays, he's a top 30 receiver this week for me. Okay. Um, assuming one or two of these guys are out. But even once everybody's healthy and Tony's healthy, of course, I think they have to get him involved. He looked amazing this weekend. Um, he and Rondell Moore. Every time I see he or Rondell Moore get targeted, I'm just amazed. Um, so I, I love Tony going forward. I think this week... Um, I'm hoping he suits up and, you know, he, he can see uh, 10 plus targets. Like I, I think he deserves that. Um, and he, he did all this in just 59% of routes run uh, last week. So the sky's the limit with Tony. I love him. Hopefully he'll be able to play, but um, you know, he'll be inside my top 30 if he suits up. Uh, for me, uh, Jamar Chase, I uh, already mentioned him. He's 6,700. I think he's way too cheap. 25% target market share. The Lions are number 27 in pass defense, DVOA. Uh, he'll probably be in all my cash game lines. Love the T. Higgins call, too, because uh, I think he's his price has just come down way too far. He's still getting you know, get the same amount of routes. He's been a little banged up. So I wouldn't hesitate to play Higgins, uh, especially because I think Chase will be one of the most highly rostered wide receivers percentage-wise uh, on the slate just because of his price tag. So I think it makes a lot of sense to pivot to Higgins in tournaments away from chase or, or play both of them or something like that. Uh, Tyra Boyd, obviously also an option, but uh, for cash games, you know, chase hasn't let us down yet. You know, uh, just, if you look at his game logs, they're all double digits. So uh, we're not going away from, from Jamar chase in a dream matchup. Brandon cooks. I think it's time to, to, to buy low, buy the dip on Brandon cooks, uh, 5,800, 34% target market share. Davis mills looked somewhat competent against a Belichick defense. So, you know, I think that's, that's promising. The Colts, seventh most fantasy points allowed to wide receivers. And what really sticks out to me about the Colts is they're number 31, second to last in DVOA on deep passes. So that's passes uh, 16 or more yards beyond the line of scrimmage, according to Football Outsiders. Uh, this matchup just sets up really well for Cooks. It was kind of predictable for him to have a slow uh, week against Belichick's defense, even though, you know, Houston overall had some big plays, but I think now you you expect the rebound because it's just been pretty much only him in the past game. And if Houston had a bunch of fluky pass, you know, long completions where last week, or if they don't, I think you see more production from Cooks. So uh, like Cooks, already mentioned A.J. Green. I think he's the guy against the defense like Cleveland. This could be a shootout uh, type of game script. And, and yeah, Canarius Tony, a guy um, we talked about as well. If he's healthy, I think, I think you play him, but uh yeah, Brandon Cooks is kind of an under-the-radar guy that people might be a little off after after last week. Yeah, I love that Cooks call. Um, like you said, I mean, he had two tough matchups against the Bills and then Pats. We know Belichick is a master at uh, eliminating the top threat, and that's that's all the Texans have right now. So, yeah, love Cooks in the bounce-back spot. And I second 
Chase. Like, obviously, I'm playing Higgins because he's going to be low roster. But, I mean, how good is Jamar Chase? He's only 21 years old. Uh, it would not surprise me if he ends up being, you know, ranked in the top three heading into next year. We're not surprised. Week. Yeah, or next week. Yeah, <laughs> let me get ahead of myself. He's playing here. the Lions, but he's he's not even close to his prime. Like in three years from now, like it's going to be so fun to watch Jamar Chase. He's already a top five receiver, exactly. Um, so yeah, this guy's like. Just think back to week one. Remember, um, I was one of the people too that was kind of worried about the drops and yeah. you know the white stripe oh, on the football. But once his prop got to 40 and a half, I said, this is ridiculous. Like, let's let's take the over 40 and a half receiving yards. And that might be the last time I will ever get a Jamar Chase prop under 60 ever, uh, let alone 40. So it was fun while it lasted. Yeah, this is, and this is it, I mean, he's already he's well on his way. Uh, he's probably he's ahead of guys like, you know, CeeDee Lamb even him and he, like Lamb was putting up consistent production to start last year. But I mean, the way Chase is going. Yeah. Uh, he's already ahead of Lamb in, in the rankings and all that. So, yeah. Uh, all right, let's go to the prop. Wide receivers. Uh, so this is for Sunday football. I just thought this this would be a fun one. Um, and that's DK Metcalf, total receiving yards at Pittsburgh um, without Russell Wilson, which I, this is the first game ever DK Metcalf has had to play without Russell Wilson, I believe. So um, where do you have him projected? I have the line set at 60 and a half receiving yards. So I have Metcalf right at 60 yards uh, for median projection. So I'll go right under. I think that's a great line. Uh, it's just really tough to have confidence. I, he's my wide receiver 30, which is like, Ooh. that's, you know, and Lockett's 32. So uh, this it's not just Geno Smith who looked good, but this is Pittsburgh's defense. And this is, it's kind of why I, I, you know, went back to the well and bet on Pittsburgh last week against Denver um, and their defense kind of comes up big and ends up getting the game ceiling interception seals the cover. Uh, and all that, but you know, this is still a good defense. This is a defense that slowed down the Buffalo Bills, who have been on a rampage ever since. So I'm just, you know, I mean, the numbers kind of back it up, but it's like even stepping back and just using our common sense. It's like Geno Smith throwing to DK Metcalf against the Pittsburgh's defense in Pittsburgh, right? It's in Pittsburgh. Yep. Yeah, that's it's just no bueno. It's just no bueno for Metcalf. So, I mean, 60 yards is still, like, that's still good for a receiver. But uh, if I'm in a league that, for example, only starts two wide receivers, I mean, I don't know what league still does that, but <laughs> There's he's a probably lot. a guy I'm benching at this week, you know? He's yeah. he's a flex option at best, I think. I don't, I don't you know, wide receiver three uh, if you need it. But uh, I'd be looking for other options. It's just kind of doing a wait-and-see week. Uh, obviously, in showdown slates, you know, the Sunday night, uh, we'll talk about that on Friday show, but that's where I think you invest in him. I'm not confident at all. Otherwise, I just is, think I just think it's a tough matchup. Is Tyler Lockett outside your top thirty-six? Where do you have him? Thirty-two. Right? So Which thirty and thirty-two? 30 oh, okay. Lockett, thirty for Metcalf. I have I have Lockett. Do you think they're both equally impacted, or do you think one is going to be more impacted by Wilson being out? Have to, I just think DK is the kind of guy that Gino can just like throw it up to and he'll figure it out. Whereas Lockett um, probably needs a guy like Wilson a bit more. So I am, I'm downgrading Lockett quite a bit this week compared to Metcalf. Well, the thing is Pittsburgh kind of sits back. They don't really blitz a ton. Um, they'll play coverage. So I, I just worry that they can take out both of those guys. You know, to yeah. be honest. I, th- I think Metcalf and the thing is, you know, it, it makes some sense, but it's all like Metcalf is also kind of the the defense's priority every week. I think you know maybe right. Lockett shifted that a little bit, but 
it's tough for me to separate them. I, I'm not going to kind of go in and do too much manually and kind of adjust one more than the other. Um, they're yeah. just both go down because Gino's uh, passing numbers are nowhere near Russ's. So, yeah, yep. uh, wide receiver threes for both those guys for me. Uh, let's go to tight end. Who is your top five for tight end uh, in week six? So I have Travis Kelsey, Darren Waller, Mark Andrews, um, and then it gets kind of dicey. Uh, right now I have TJ Hawkinson and Noah Fant, but it would not surprise me if that gets shuffled up quite a bit. Uh, it's it's pretty tight in that range. So where, where do you have uh, your top five right now? Yeah, exactly the same. Kelsey, Waller, oh, okay. Andrews, Hawkinson, <laughs> Fant. Uh, you know, a guy who's right on the cusp, two guys right on the cusp, Mike Gesicki, Dawson Knox. Um, yep. Dawson Knox ran a route on 90% of the dropbacks last week. Um, I don't have them projected quite that high because they actually had even more, you know, big, heavy personnel than they usually do. Um, something we kind of alluded to, it's talking about Stefan Diggs, but um, Knox could be a guy that ends up being that, that fifth guy for me. I think this is a great matchup for Fant against a Vegas defense that, I mean, for obvious reasons, you know, the, the whole team's probably a, a bit distracted right now in a, in a, in a bit of a, a, a shambles, but uh, Vegas has been 25th in DVOA against the tight end position. Still no Jerry Judy, still no KJ Hamler for the Broncos. So uh, no fan. I think we see him have a big game. He, his routes run per drop back. have been near the top of the league yeah. at his position as well. So I don't think you can go wrong with him. Uh, you know, Gesicki against the Jaguars. I mean, the one team worse than the, the chiefs in, in, uh, in past defense, I think that's always promising. So uh, and and Jacoby Brissett has been targeting Gasicki more than, than Tua did. So that's mm-hmm. something to watch too. If if Tua's back and he's starting, then it's probably gonna stay fan, but maybe Gasicki has a chance to jump into that top five if Brissett get Brissett gets yeah, another start. That's a great point with the change of quarterback. I hadn't factored that in yet. But um did you mention Schultz? Is he just outside your is is he your tight end eight right now? Let's see. What is Schultz? I think he's nine. What's, what's he's my tight end six. That's how far i've come on dalton schultz in the past few weeks <laughs> oh no he's he's actually down to my tight end he's my tight end nine um so he's not you know he's inside the top 10 i think for the second straight week um 75 of the routes to blake jarwin's 28 last week so um that was the biggest disparity uh of the season the week before it was 76 percent for schultz 36 percent for jarwin so i think it kind of evens out somewhere in between the, those two Schultz should be on the field running around about three-fourths of the time, uh, which is another really good number for tight end. So, yeah, yeah I have him inside. He's inside the top ten. Maybe he, he jumps up another spot or two. But uh, definitely a guy that uh, you're confident starting uh, until further notice, pretty much. You know? Yeah, and, he, and he's seeing a target uh, on 25% of those route, route routes run. And, you know, C.D. Lamb's at 22%. Cooper's at 20.5. So Schultz is essentially Dak Prescott's number one target right now. So um, he is all the way up to tight end six for me this week. Yeah. And knowing Bill Belichick, he's going to say, yeah, please throw the ball to Dalton Schultz. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like you got to stop Lamb and Cooper. Um, So could be, yeah, another big week. Uh, And Patriots have been, you know, they've been kind of, that's been their weakness. You know, I think they've been shaky against the run. And some of those, you know, lesser targets, you know, beating them last week for Houston, it was the wide receivers on the outside. But uh, again, I think that's a product of the coverages and uh, Schultz. I mean, I don't know. I still don't think he commands more coverage than guys like Lamb Cooper. Um, so it's going to it's going to be tough, tough matchup for, for the Patriots. But uh, yeah, Schultz mm-hmm. is, is startable from here on out. 
who are some other guys, some cheat codes at tight end that you like uh, for this week? Well, first off, I think, you know, Mark Andrews is probably a no brainer at 5,200. Um, another guy where, uh, you know, if he was priced after the Monday Night Football game, he'd be much higher, probably closer to 6K, I would imagine. Um, so he's a great play this week, probably going to be very popular. Um, and the Chargers have been um, pretty bad against tight yeah. ends. They've allowed the third most fancy points to tight ends. They just allowed a seven catch for 149 yards and touchdown to David Njoku. Um, so this is a blow up spot for Andrews. Again, like in a tournament, you want to be contrarian. Um, you can fade him, but that's that's scary to do. He he has one of the highest ceilings on this entire slate. So love him. Um, and then our boy Ricky Seals Jones at 3K. If uh, if you like Tyler Henneke, Taylor Henneke this week, um, Ricky Seals Jones needs to be in some lineups. Um, he had a decent game, you know, five catches for 41 yards, no touchdown though. Um, but he ran her out on 88% of Heineke's dropbacks. That's essentially inheriting the full Logan Thomas role. So um, love seals Jones floor and ceiling this week. And it would not surprise me if we see a touchdown um, added on to the stat line this week. So great matchup um, again, Curtis Samuels out. So it could be, uh, you know, a big game for seals Jones this week. Yeah. I, I mean, I love it. First of all, I love Andrews too. I think uh, against that charger D that's 29th in DVOA. That's just a, a, a smash spot. Um, Seals Jones is another guy. Um, Fant. Uh, I love him uh, yeah. in, you know, that's why he's in the top five. I think he's at a good price. And one more guy I'll mention that uh, we haven't really talked about. This is more of a dart throw. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets like one catch or no catches, <laughs> but uh, CJ Usoma is going against the lions defense that ranks dead last in DVOA against tight ends and Usoma is running a route on 77% of dropbacks, which again, is one of the top marks for tight ends in the league. Once you get, you know, anywhere above 70%. Um, and what, what you could have here is a leverage play on a, on a number of guys first on seals Jones, who's $100 cheaper. And I'm sure will be a lot more popular. And then Jamar Chase, who's going to be extremely popular. T. Higgins probably is extremely popular because of the price. So I love Usoma as a leverage play or, you know, a guy you include to kind of differentiate your lineups when you're rostering a Chase or a Higgins. Uh, so Usoma would be that kind of off-the-radar guy that uh, I'd get in some lineups. This I love the Uzoma call. Um, you know, I'm looking at one of the GPVs last week, and he was rostered around 4% of teams. And that was after that just monster two-touchdown game. Um, so I think people are going to be sleeping on him. But like you said, the, the underlying usage is there. Uh, any tight end running around close to 80% of the time yeah. uh, piques my interest. Um, so he'll have, you know, some duds, but he's certainly capable of a bloat game uh, this week against the Lions. So love that call as well. He's my tight end 13 this week. And his, his nice. targets per route run is very low. It's like 11%, but it's the perfect variance because you have you have <laughs> a guy with a lot of routes that usually doesn't see a lot of targets. The routes are going to stay. You know, that's not going to move. So if anything moves, it, the targets are going to regress a little closer to the mean, um, which yep. means up. So, yep. uh, yeah, it, you know, wouldn't be, again, wouldn't be surprised if you bagels don't go all in on them. But uh, if you have him like 20% and, and the field has him like 3% uh, and he gets a touchdown, you're in good shape. Uh, all right. Who's our tight end prop? Uh, so it's our tight end four and that's uh, TJ Hawkinson. Uh, Price picks has a prop up right now uh, for his receiving yards, mm -hmm. and it's 52 and a half. Um, I'll let you go first. Are you over under that? And what's going on with TJ Hawkinson right now? 
I am under that. I am at 50 yeah. yards even. I think what's going on with TJ Hawkinson is the fact that, you know, we saw to start the season a couple of big games and defenses are, you know, more and more treating him like the number one wide receiver because he's still running a route on 86% of Jared Goff dropbacks. So this is not a situation where, you know, he's blocking or he's doing, you know, he's doing things that sometimes cut into tight ends productions. I, I think this is just a matter of, over the last few weeks, you know, Baltimore, they got ravaged by tight ends in the first couple weeks of the season. That was their whole game plan, which you just need to slow down TJ Hawkinson. Then you played the Bears. He got eight targets against the Bears, but the Bears, they've continued to be a pretty good defense. So he only caught four balls, uh, didn't break a big play, ended with 42 yards. Last week, he did come into the Minnesota game a little bit banged up. Uh, so maybe that contributed to it. But Mike Zimmer, also a pretty sharp defensive mind, uh, so, you know, just 22 yards, three targets for Hawkinson in that one now. So Cincinnati, I think, kind of falls somewhere in the middle. You know, they've been above average overall in pass defense, but they're actually just 18th in DVOA against tight ends. Now their underlying numbers look good. You know, they're allowing just 33.7 schedule adjusted yards. So they have been good. Uh, but I think when you see, a, they haven't really seen like a high volume tight end uh, of Hawkinson's ilk. So I think this could be a bit of a bounce back spot for him, but still just not too thrilled with this Lions passing game, you know, losing wide receivers left and right. Not a spot I'm thrilled with here. You know, his tight end four ranking speaks to the fact that, you know, it's, it's still kind of a little bit messy, you know, as you go down mm-hmm. the list, but uh, yeah, I haven't met 50 yards, even some of a few yards under, what about you? Yeah, I'm I'm even lower. I'm at 42 and a half. Oh, uh, oh. For, for his median, for his median. I'm okay. projecting about uh 46 uh yards. Uh that's his average, but his median is going to be closer to 42 and a half. And even with that projection, that low projection I might add, he's still my tight end four. Um and you hit the nail on the head. It just w- once you get outside of the Kelseys, the Wallers and now the Mark Andrews of the world, uh it, it's pretty close and it doesn't take much to to get in the top 5 at tight end right now. Um, so I think he's going to bounce back. Like you said, defenses have been uh, double teaming him at times. I think uh, Amon Ra St. Brown has stepped up, um, but you know, he he's too good and he's going to bounce back. Uh, and when you look at the tight ends, the Bengals have faced, they haven't faced anybody nearly as close to TJ Hawkinson's skill set. So I think he'll have a good game here, but um, you know, I I'm still going with the under 52 and a half uh, prop here. Yeah, it's 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 a little messy uh, at tight end, you know. Anytime you're talking about Dalton Schultz uh, and CJ Usoma and Ricky Seals Jones uh, in 2021, I don't know. Uh, Dalton Schultz is pretty good. Yeah, we're, yeah, yeah. Wait, we're it's not taking to adapt to him being a good tight end is what's going to have to happen. Right. It's it's still nuts. <laughs> I mean, it's still because Dalton Schultz was like their blocking tight end. A couple, you know what I mean? Like, well, he, he was, came a long way. Didn't he? Didn't he finish as a top ten tight end last year? I mean. Right. No, he's come a long way, but that, but that was also yeah. where he was like playing. He was like the guy, like they weren't really using yeah. like a Jarwin and, and Jarwin snaps have gone down and down. And so yeah. no shouts to Schultz again. Like I'm happy for him. I, I, he's got to get paid after this. Right. Like, yeah. This is, he's got to be getting himself a contract that I don't even know if he thought he'd get <laughs> in the NFL. So now I'm happy for him. All right. Let's close the week six show by building a main slate lineup uh, for week six on DraftKings. Uh, you went first last week, Sean, so I'll go first this week. A guy I'm going to go first with here is uh, kind of a, a, a guy who I think was under the radar, who I've been fading somewhat, uh, you know, most of the season, but 
Uh, AJ Green coming off a bad game where he only had two targets last week. Uh, I think in this game, it, it, it favors, you know, him getting some zone coverage. I don't think Cleveland's going to be held to, you know, 10 points like the, the Niners last week. So uh, I'm begging on a bounce back back game from AJ Green. So I'm going to go little off the map here and lock him in first uh, for our lineup, 4,900. All right. Uh, then I will do the honors of uh, making Taylor Heineke our quarterback <laughs> and allowing you to do this stack that you talked about. Oh, yeah. Okay, <laughs> let's do it. So we'll work together on this, but uh, I'm going Heineke. All right, let's do uh Let's lock in Scary Terry, Terry McLaurin at 7,100 here. Uh, so we got Heineke at 5,800, McLaurin 7,100 as a stack with AJ Green uh, at 4,900 uh, as our wide receiver twos. Love it. Um, all right. I'm going to, I'm going to add the, the cheat code. I think at running back this week, I'm going to go with uh, Daryl Henderson. All right. Henderson is six K even. So we got uh, four slots filled. We have an average of 50 to 40 for the remaining five. Uh, I'll go ahead and because since we're going to have to figure out some cheap guys later, uh, I'll go ahead and go Tyreek Hill. Let's there get we this go. Back in. Uh, so that, you know, we're going to, we're going to be cutting it close. But we're going to have to get some value here, but we do have it a running back uh, and tight end. So Tyreek Hill, 8,500. So now we have Hill as our wide receiver one, McLaurin wide receiver two, green wide receiver three, Henderson's our back and, and Heineke at quarterback. Yeah. And Hill, um, you know, he banged up his knee um, last week, but he's, he's expected to play. So I, I don't think we're going to have a Dalvin cook situation again here uh and by the way don't let me overspend on a defense uh, <laughs> that was my bad um let's see so we're good on wide receiver um we need a running back uh we have 44 25 on average for four players we need a running back a tight end a flex in the defense let's go with javante williams ah, i think okay. this, this will I think be, he's the gonna be yeah he's gonna be a little uh probably low more low rostered then and it's uh, it's one of those things where um you know melvin gordon isn't immune to an in-game setback or injury um so if a situation like that happens you know uh, williams is going to be a million maker winner so i i just I, I like getting him before uh something like that happens so going with williams here all right we got 42 33 for we gotta uh, go cheap huh? tight end flex and d so if this was not a heineke lineup I would probably pivot to Usoma at 3,100. But since this is yeah. a Heineke lineup, let's go ahead and do the double stack and get in let's Ricky Seals Jones. Yeah, we got so we got Jones, McLaren, and Heineke with Tyreek Hill coming back the other way. Wow. Uh, so now we actually have some 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 cash left over. 48.50 for two spots. One of them is defense. The other is a flex. So we actually have some some money to play with. I, I don't want to be the one to to ruin defense this week. So let's see. What about Vikings at Carolina? Do you think Darnold has another three interception game in him, or do you see any other defense that you like? I mean, Sam but, Darnold always has a three interception game in him. I actually love Minnesota because they're second in pressure rate this season at 31.7%, according to pro football reference advanced stats. And listen, defenses are crapshoot most weeks. Mm -hmm. And uh, so one of the things I look for is pressure rate because pressure rate is actually more predictive of future sacks than is, you know, prior sacks, you know, so yep. it's a great metric to look at. 
Uh, and both of these teams are one and two. So, hey, you can make a case for the Carolina defense. I think Cousins, uh, Cousins gets the ball out quicker and is less mistake-prone than Darnold. So, yeah, I like the Vikings. And, oh. listen, I went Vikings in cash last week, and it looked good for about 59 minutes of that game. Uh, and then, you know, everything <laughs> yeah. kind of went crazy, you know. Yeah. So, um, I like going back to the well here with the Vikings. Yeah, and they're they're cheap enough where they they stand out as a good play. Um, it looks like Michael Pierce is he's possibly going to return, so this might be the first time all year um, they have their entire starting lineup intact. Um, and like I said, Sam Darnold he's thrown five interceptions in the last two games. Can't say we're too surprised about that. Um, so if if he continues to struggle, this could be a good spot for the Vikings defense. All right, so we have. 6,800. Nice. A lot of options. Yeah, for a flex play. And let's see. So Jonathan Taylor is an option. Uh, We think he's going to be somewhat high rostered, though, right? Yeah, but I think we have a, like, contrarian enough team um, where I would just go for the projection right here. I wouldn't worry about that too much. Okay, because I I know you like to leave. You like to leave a couple hundred on the table. I think that would be 200. Yep. Left over. Yeah. Good matchup. I mean, but Uh-oh. we didn't go Usoma. We could go Jamar Chase here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that would leave that would leave one hundred on the table. Um, Gibson at sixty five hundred, but we already have enough Washington players. So yeah, he's, yeah, that's he's what out. I was say. That's too much. Uh, we could leave. Ooh, we could leave. Mm, we could leave four hundred on the table and go Keenan Allen. I, I mean, mean, Chase has the, out of all those guys, Chase probably has the highest ceiling. All right, let's what do it. You say, let's yeah. it. You mentioned we like it's fun I, to rank Jamar Chase in top five. It's fun let's to play Jamar Chase in your flex. You know, sometimes you just got to have fun. Let's have some fun. And um, this is a full circle lineup because you have Jamar Chase and AJ Green, so you have the successor. Wow! Uh, <laughs> oh, I love it. You have to. I was going to make a case for Jonathan Taylor, saying you know Braden Smith might return this week, but screw it. Go go Jamar Chase, AJ Green. Uh, just do it. Lock right. it in. So we got Taylor Heineke, uh, a quarterback at 5,800. Daryl Henderson Jr. at running back at 6K. Javante Williams at 5K uh, in the RB2 slot. The wide receivers, Tyreek Hill, 8,500. Terry McLaurin at 7,100. Jamar Chase, 6,700. AJ Green, 4,900 as a flex. Ricky Seals-Jones, 3K at tight end. The Vikings D, 2,900. for the defense and then we have a hundred left over so as mentioned you know chase was actually the last guy we locked in but there's some interesting flex options there and yeah. if you're swapping out aj green there's also some interesting you know you could go one of those cheap running backs uh as well so there's definitely some options here but uh yeah we'll see we'll see what happens with this week i'll throw it in the uh in the millie and uh that's going to do it for our episode this week be sure to follow Sean Kerner on Twitter at the underscore odds maker and me at Chris Raybon. You can follow us at those same handles in the free award-winning Action Network app where you can follow our bets or track yours for free. Be sure to check out actionnetwork.com for our fantasy football projections and rankings and fantasylabs.com for our DFS tools and models. Until next time, let's get this money.